everybody to know to do necessary. I'm Jim Foster. Super Bowl! I'm Max Nicholas. <laughs> and this is our 70 second, 70, is it our, yeah, it's our 72nd episode. Um, Good job, man. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. We're coming up on it. Um, but yeah, like Max mentioned, it is the Super Bowl. Uh, it's been a while, I feel like, since we've had some competitive football. Um, obviously not including the Pro Bowl. But like everyone knows, it's the 49ers versus the Chiefs down in Miami. Should be a great game. So let's hear it from the 49ers fan himself. Who wins this game? So I'm not going to lie to you, Griffin. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I really have no idea. Because when you're looking at this game, I feel like it can go in a hundred different ways. Just from the way the game is played and how each two teams adjust to what the other one wants to do. Because I feel like everyone knows the 49ers want to come out there and they want to run the ball. That's no joke. Like, they have been so good at it over the playoff two games against the Packers and the Vikings that I feel like the Chiefs have to have everyone in the box. And if they don't, the 49ers have shown that they're not afraid to run it 42 times compared to eight passes if you're going to allow them to get close to 10 yards of carry, which is what the Packers allowed. So I think that's going to be the key for the Chiefs' defense is they have to slow down Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman in that rushing attack. But I honestly don't really see a way where the 49ers aren't going to score points. I just don't think that the Chiefs' defense has the tools to be able to slow down the run game without leaving the pass game basically wide open. Because when you're looking at the Niners' receivers, you have guys that excel in play-action passing, where Jimmy's one of the best play-action quarterbacks in the league, and you have Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders running slant routes off of that play action, and they're really, really good after the catch. So I feel like if they're stopping the run, the 49ers are going to immediately go to that play action, hit one of those two guys over the middle, and let them work with the ball. And I just don't see a way where they can stop both of those things. I might eat those words, and they may come out and have the 85 Bears-type defensive performance because of what I'm saying, but I don't think that they're going to be able to hold the 49ers under 24 to 30 points in this game. So that goes to the other side of the ball, where I don't know if the 49ers' defense, as good as they are, is going to be able to slow down Mahomes enough to win this game. Because while the 49ers' defense is very, very good, one thing that they do lack a little bit at the cornerback position is speed. And one thing that the Chiefs don't lack at all is speed. With Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, those three guys, like Robert Sala said, could be an Olympic track team. Like, that's how fast they all are. So I, I think that that's going to pose a lot of problems for the 49ers, where I think that they're going to probably come out and play a lot of soft coverage, which is going to allow Mahomes to do a little bit of the dink and dunk thing that he hasn't been great at in the past, but I thought that this year they've done a better job of taking what the defense gives them, which has allowed them to get to this point in the season. So I think it's going to be a lot of give and take between the 49ers defense and the Chiefs offense where the 49ers are going to limit those big plays to the best of their ability, but they're probably going to give up longer drives than we're accustomed to seeing and kind of just banking on the Chiefs to make a mistake. So I, I think the Chiefs offense is going to have a little bit of success. I think it's probably going to be 
a really, really close game throughout. I don't see one team coming out and really dominating the other. So I'm going to hold off on giving my score and my winner, and I'm going to let you evaluate the game, and then I'll, I'll say my score and who I think is going to win. Mm-hmm. So I think you made a lot of good points. And to start off, I want to talk about Mahomes. Everyone knows how good of a quarterback he is and how amazing he's been this postseason. But how a lot of people are talking about him and this game in the media uh, is talking about how he's unbeatable, which is like, obviously that's not the case, and obviously they don't, they don't believe that he can't lose, but they'll do their analysis, say, 49ers are better at this, 49ers are better at that, 49ers are better at this, 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 and then they're like, well, Chiefs have Mahomes, so there's a good chance the Chiefs win this game. And as good as Mahomes is, he can't put the entire team on his back against the team that's arguably been playing the best football all year this year. So starting off at that, I think Mahomes obviously gives them a huge advantage, but it's not like the 49ers have to play this unbelievable football, uh, perfect football to win this game. Uh, Also, to talk about the 49ers' defense against Mahomes, I think the biggest factor in this game is that defensive line and that pass rush. Uh, It's been unstoppable this entire year, and the past two games against the Packers and the Vikings, it's been unstoppable. And to me, I think that's a huge reason why the 49ers found success in both those games. Uh, Rodgers was never comfortable. Kirk Cousins was never comfortable. And it's the Chiefs don't have the best offensive line in the game. I know they have some great guys in Schwartz, but overall, when you have four guys on that defensive line who are all unbelievable in their own aspect, uh, and then to just fill in other guys who also come in off the bench and perform at a high level, it's really, really hard to game plan against. And I know your one concern is that speed, but when you don't have time in the pocket to have guys stress the field, it just completely cancels it out right there, and they have to run shorter routes, and they have to do quicker plays because they don't have time to throw the ball. So I think that is a huge, huge advantage of the 49ers that I think is going to have the biggest impact uh, on this game. Next, the running game. Everyone knows what Mostert was able to do last week, and the running game all season for the 49ers have been fantastic. Chiefs, knowing that, they are going to do everything to their power to stop the run. That They have to do that. That's coaching-wise. That's their game plan. After seeing what happened last week, they can't, sorry, two weeks ago, they can't just ignore that and, and play typical defense like they do. So I think Kyle Shanahan, being the brilliant offensive mind he is, knows that, and is going to draw up a lot of play-action plays that find Jimmy Garoppolo outside the pocket, looking for dynamic weapons in Debo Samuel and George Kittle, and have a lot, a lot of success in that aspect and really catch the defense off guard. So I think the 49ers are in the best position possible for this game. They have the mental advantage, and they just have to react to what the Chiefs are doing. It's, it's fully in their hands to win this game, and I think they have the advantage in almost every single aspect. I know the Chiefs have been, defensive-wise, have been better throughout the past uh, couple weeks and in the playoffs. Um, in 2019, their, this season, their rush defense the, throughout the entire year wasn't great. Uh, it was 25th in the league. But their last four games of the year, they ended up around 6-7. Uh, so it's been improving throughout the season, and obviously they need to uh, improve a lot to, to stop this run game. But 
I think it's a mental game, and obviously Kyle Shannon has been a brilliant offensive mind. So I think he's going to come up with a great game plan to uh, kind of trick what the Chiefs are doing. Does that mean trick plays? Potentially. But I think we're going to see a lot of play action, and then once they start to believe the play action, then hammer the run with Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and all those talented guys they have in the backfield. So because of all those reasons, and there was a decent amount of them, I like the 49ers still. I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout because it's the Super Bowl and these are two really good teams. But I think the 49ers defense is going to have a lot of success and slow down that explosive Chiefs offense. And I think that 49ers offense is going to surprise a lot of people in how much success they've had, which if you actually pay attention to the games, it shouldn't be a surprise to you. But a lot of people haven't watched every single 49ers game and haven't seen what they've been able to do uh, when that offense is unleashed to its full potential. So because of that, going 49ers, I think they win by, I'm going to say, I think they win by probably a touchdown, could be four points, but I think they're going to be able to hold the Chiefs to 24 points, and I think they're going to end up scoring around 30, could be around there, 28, who knows, but uh, I like 49ers. Give me a score. Give me like an actual score. I'll, I'll go 24-28. Okay. Um, I think you made a lot of good points as well, just talking about how people are underestimating the 49ers offense, and it's kind of weird because I know that people don't really want to give Jimmy Garoppolo praise at all, but you don't even have to praise Jimmy. You just have to look at the raw numbers. We were the number two scoring offense in the entire league this year, so the fact that like people are talking about basically – it's Chiefs offense versus 49ers defense, and if the 49ers defense doesn't win that, it's over. I don't think that's the case. Um, another thing I wanted to highlight was the tight ends. I didn't even talk mm, about true. that when I broke down this game, but it's the two of the best tight ends, probably the two best tight ends in the entire league going at each other with Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. And I think that another part of the 49ers defensive success is going to hinge on whether or not Quan Alexander and Fred Warner – and Dre Greenlaw, if they can cover Travis Kelsey in those zones, because I think that, like I said, the 49ers are going to play a lot of soft coverage on the outside, where on the inside, Mahomes is going to be trying to getting it to his favorite receiver, which is Travis Kelsey underneath. And I think that if our 49ers linebackers are able to cover that up and take away that outlet from Mahomes, that's going to be a really big deal in this game. And then Talking one more time about the play-action offense for the 49ers, if you look at what Tennessee did in that first quarter and a half, which allowed them to get that 17-7 to lead, while they don't run the ball the exact same way as the 49ers, they run it more up the middle versus the 49ers run it outside, but they were able to have a lot of success with the play-action. They hit a couple of deep crossers with A.J. Brown, and I think that's going to be a lot of the same things that happen in this game with Debo Samuel, like I said, so... I, I think that the receivers are going to have a bigger game than they have in the last two playoff games. I don't think that's even in question. But I, I really like the 49ers' offense in this game. I don't know whether or not the Chiefs are going to be slowed down, but I feel fairly confident that the 49ers have more ways to win this game, whether it's a shootout. I don't think that they're out of it if it's a shootout. And I also think that they really have the, a huge advantage if it's a low-scoring game because of their defense. So... I think the 49ers, just because they have so many ways to win, 
And based off of how they match up with the Chiefs' defense, I'm going to go with the 49ers as well. Obviously, I'm biased. I'm pulling for them. But I do think it's going to be more of a higher-scoring game. So I'm going to go 49ers win 34-31, which is the same score they lost to Baltimore in the last Super Bowl. So hopefully Mm. they right the wrong, they get it done for the first Super Bowl in my lifetime, and I live it up in Miami. (laughs) (coughs) Well, I'll call it now. Bold prediction. First play of the game. Emmanuel Sanders comes across the formation. Fake reverse. Fake handoff to Mostert. Play action pass. Pass. Play action pass to Debo Samuel for a touchdown. First play. I'm calling it. Wow. Yeah. What are the odds on that? I don't know, but... Whoever's listening, you better Venmo me if that shit hits. So I'll be waiting for that in my uh, in my inbox. That hits different. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I agree with what you were saying. The thing with Mahomes and the Chiefs, I think they are so dangerous because they can score so quickly. And I think if they do end up right. having some plays down the line where at point in the game, they're going to have time eventually. Like there, there will be plays where he has time to throw the ball. And like you mentioned, with the speed in the secondary where you don't match up great against the Chiefs' speed, that's a dangerous combination. So I think that's just the one thing with the Chiefs where you have to game plan for Robert Sala going forward, just knowing that at any moment they could get a deep ball to Tyreek, to McCole Hardman, uh, to Sammy Watkins, and, and hurt you. So... Obviously, there's a lot of things going on here in this Super Bowl, but I think the best team in this game and the best team all season and the most complete team is 49ers. So I'm taking them here. Uh, anything else before we I wrap up? I hope you're up? right, man. Huh? Oh, I hope you're right, but I just want to pat myself on the back one last time. I, I respect I feel you. Like I, I once again called the 49ers to really make it. I didn't expect them to make the Super Bowl, and I'd be lying if I said that. But I did pick them to win a playoff game, win the division, when a lot of people didn't think we were going to go above 500. So I'm proud of our team to even make it this far, and it's been a hell of a ride. But also on the other side, we both picked the Chiefs to make the Super Bowl in the preseason. And that was my Super Bowl pick before the year. So, I mean, I'm I'm not even going to say that I'd be just as happy because that's not even true at all. But, I mean, if, if the Chiefs win, it's a I was right. So I guess that's something. But, I mean, <laughs> please, 49ers win this game. It would be up there with one of the best moments of my life if we win. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking forward to an amazing weekend. Yeah, you should be. Obviously, I was. I had the luxury to uh, experience the Eagles' first Super Bowl win in 2017, and uh, it was incredible. But um, I'm looking forward to this game. I know you are too, and... It should be a lot of fun. Let's move on. Let's talk about Zion Williamson. Most people's perceived rookie of the year and a generational talent coming out of Duke and coming out of college after he had a fantastic year at Duke. Uh, He made his uh, first debut four nights ago, and obviously most people saw how he was able to finish that night. Uh, Almost got the win. Maybe he could have got the win if he stayed in, but... Uh, he was able to light it up there. So what was your initial reaction to not only that game, but his first four games in the NBA? Well, I've been a really big Zion supporter, and I don't think it's a secret because you and I have kind of gone back and forth on whether or not he was going to have that immediate impact. And I think that just from watching these four games, like it's pretty evident that just off of sheer body strength, and effort that he's going to be able to have a really successful 
NBA career as long as he stays healthy, and that's a big if, and that was one of the concerns that you had going into the draft, and I think that's still a pretty big concern just given how he plays and how much he weighs and all that stuff, but I mean, just from this body of work, the four small games that he's played, 24 minutes a game, like that's not a huge sample size, but at the same time, like he's been so impressive, and it took him three and a half quarters to really get into the rhythm of NBA basketball against the Spurs in that first game. But he had one of the most impressive three-minute stretches I've ever seen watching basketball. Like, I really couldn't comprehend what was happening. He just hit three after three after three after three. And I was like, what is happening? This guy's not supposed to be able to shoot at all. And all of a sudden, he's hitting four straight threes and has 17 points in three minutes. It was crazy to watch. And um, I think that just watching these games, you can tell how good he is and how much potential he has. But I also think from these games, you can see how good the Pelicans can really be. Because when you look at their roster, regardless what you think of Zion, he doesn't have to be the best player on their team right now for them to be successful. Because like we said last week, we both had Brandon Ingram on our all-star teams. So that's one all-star. I know how you feel about Drew Holiday. And he's had an incredible year once again when he's been able to stay on the court. And then my guy Alonzo Ball's having a career year as well. And then that's not even mentioning some of the other guys they have with J.J. Raddick, Derek Favors, Josh Hart. Like, they're really deep, and they have a lot of talent on this roster. So I think that if Zion stays healthy, which was one of my bold predictions when we did our NBA episode, uh, I think it was a month and a half ago now, but I thought that if he played 50 games, they were going to make the playoffs. And obviously he's not going to hit that margin because he's missed too many games at this point, but... I still think that it's very possible for this team to make the playoffs as currently constructed. And if they're able to do that, watching them in a playoff series against most likely the Lakers would be so much fun to watch. And I'm, I'm just really excited because I've watched all four of these Pelican games and I'm going to continue to try to watch as many as I can just because Zion's box office, man. And he's really fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. He definitely brings that uh, energy and a, and a reason to buy a ticket, like you mentioned. Uh, he's a highlight player, and I think that's kind of the player he's going to be his whole career, where he has these highlight alley-oops, highlight blocks, which we've already seen like three of them in uh, his four games that he's played. So that's been impressive. I think the his three-point shooting in that game against you guys, the Spurs, is interesting. Obviously, he's one of the guys that is supposed to come in and not be able to shoot like that. And I don't know if that's an outlier or not. Just because I think it's an past... outlier. Yeah, I'm leaning towards there. The past three games, he went 0 for 2 from the line. And his most recent game against the Cavs, he didn't shoot one. So I'm definitely not counting on him being a 66.7% three-point shooter, which he's currently at. But um, the other aspects of his game have been good so far, especially, like we mentioned, making those highlight plays defensively coming in and being a dominant player there and then just being able to score down low which is something that helps the the Pelicans a lot and yeah the Pelicans are looking great and you know this is why I loved this Anthony Javis trade they made they have so many young pieces that can develop Brandon Ingram Lonzo Ball obviously Zion and they got two huge jumps from two of those young guys in Lonzo and Brandon Ingram, who've really stepped up, and Brandon Ingram specifically uh, has really done amazing things for them this season to really put them in the playoff contention um, in that West. 
Zion can only help that going forward. So they really do have a good chance to lock up a playoff spot, which is impressive looking at the roster this year. Not a lot of people expected that uh, from them, how they're currently constructed. So I think the Pelicans are the best, if not one of the best, young teams going forward. Like They're in the perfect position to have a lot of guys who are talented, who are young, who can grow chemistry together and and really grow their game together, um, it's in the league. Like it's it's super impressive what David Griffin has been able to do in his short stint as the Pelicans GM, and I expect a lot from them going forward. And I think there's a lot of room for them to make some changes uh, in their game, trading JJ Redick. Uh, they have so many young guys like like we mentioned, Jackson Hayes, to go along with that group that you mentioned. So there's a lot of ways they can improve their team. And they have draft picks to do so. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe not this season, but some season, maybe the offseason, they try to get a star to go along with some of these guys. And I know they have to pay Brandon Ingram uh, and other guys that are going to have to pay soon. But right now, I think they're in a great spot. And I think they could definitely make the playoffs this season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the trade deadline coming up because they're a team that, while you and I both think that they have a chance at the playoffs and I think they're probably I think they are the clear cut eighth best team in the West, but that doesn't mean they're gonna make the playoffs because they are still five games back of Memphis in the loss column right now. And they still have three more games against Memphis and they won the first game against Memphis, so that helps for the tiebreaker. But it's still gonna be an incredibly tall task for a young team like this to do that. I'm pulling for them. But with the trade deadline coming up, does David Griffin try to trade someone like JJ Reddick to a contender? and add more assets to this team? Or does he keep J.J. Redick and hope that either this year or next year they're able to make that playoff run? It's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do. Um, one player that I think that they should go after in the offseason, and I think that they could probably make it work with the contracts and, and the picks that they have, if you give up Drew Holiday and all those Laker picks, or maybe not all of them, but a, a few of them, I think you could get Brandon, uh, Brandon. I think you could get Bradley Beal from the Wizards, and if you put Bradley Beal with Alonzo, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and then whoever else you want to put at center, that's a really, really tough team to beat. And I think that could potentially become a contender in the West. So that would be a guy that I would look at. But for Zion to be averaging 18-8 and eight in 24 minutes, that's even exceeding what I thought he was going to do. I thought he was going to get 20-10. and 10, But that was with the idea that he was going to play 35, 36 minutes a game. So... He's on an incredible pace right now, and he might be putting up crazy rookie stats if he's able to get to that 35-36 minute range. Yeah, we'll see what he does for the rest of the season. Obviously, he has to keep up this production, uh, and his minutes will increase, obviously, going down the line. But um, there's been some other great rookies this year. John Morant has been fantastic, and he might have too much of a lead already uh, on Zion. To, for Zion to come, come back and really beat him out for that. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it, as always. But it should be an interesting rookie of the year race, as well as that uh, eight-seed race, or who knows, could be even higher. We'll see. Um, let's move on. You just want to go to bets? Yeah, let's move on to bets. And I want to be the first person, because we didn't talk about it last week, to say fuck you to Griffin for beating me <laughs> bets this year. Um I mean, it was, a, it was a good run. I mean, I, in all honesty, you deserved a win. You had a better mm-hmm. uh, money 
profited over the course of the season, but I did mm-hmm. build that huge lead at the beginning. I don't know if it was huge. I think I was up three weeks, but I mean, yeah, it, was I, it was because we were both bad and I was just less bad. So <laughs> in all honesty, you deserve it, but I'm just happy over these Thank last you. couple of weeks, we both have been performing well. So Griffin has officially taken the series lead two to one in Desert. our bets. And weekly disclaimer, none of these bets are real. It's all for fun. But Griffin won the season. He's up 11-9 to right now. We are still going to do bets this week just to have that personal gain on our profits Mm -hmm. for the season. So Griffin had an undefeated week last week, and Mm -hmm. he he called a shot. He's like, if I have a perfect week and you have a perfect week, I'm going to win. And sure enough, you had a perfect week. So I'll let you talk about your bets, Griffin. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, First off, uh, I'm happy to be here. Obviously, Maxie was talking that ish all season. <laughs> um, and ultimately, Big trust. Able... <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, obviously, King I was Griffin. able to secure the dub. In the flesh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's been a good year, good season. Uh, I'm happy to take the lead and kind of have some comfort going into our NBA season, uh, knowing I'm playing with house money. So, um Starting off with, should I recap my bets from last week? Yeah, go ahead and recap all of them. Give the listeners a nice little recap. So, if you didn't tune in, like Max mentioned, I did did say it it was bold to put it all in my hands on losing one because, obviously, I I wasn't able to. Uh, I went with two props, something which was unconventional for me, which I haven't really done this season. And then I bet the Chiefs money line. So let's start with that Chiefs money line. Minus seven and a half. I felt good about it. And I, I felt good about both lines. I didn't know which one to go with. Uh, I just figured because the Chiefs are a high-scoring team and they're going to put up a lot, I just went with them. I figured that was going to be a higher-scoring game. And the Chiefs were able to beat them by more than seven and a half. So I put 34 for 31 on that. Tannehill, Tannehill, Tannehill. Uh, I didn't trust the guy. He... Uh, his over-under was 230 yards, and he didn't go over that. I didn't think he had the capabilities to do so, and that was the case in this game. It's not that he didn't have the opportunity. It was just that he couldn't get it done. Derrick Henry, I thought it was impossible, even though how good he was this year, to replicate the two performances he had prior, uh, and he was able to get held up to 69 yards, I believe, or was it 59? 69, I think. 69 yards. Uh, his over-under was 107. I thought he was going to come up a little shy of that, and I hit that one as well, 33 for 29. So I ended up winning 90 bucks on the week. Yeah, and, and I wasn't that. too bad myself. Um, I was 2-1. and one. I was up 66, and I kind of called my shot a little bit too. I was like, I'm going to go 2-1 and one probably, and I thought <laughs> that you were going to lose one. So I guess I should have put more faith in myself than trying to degrade you and have you lose. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, the Chiefs and 49ers made the Super Bowls. 90 for 61 I had on that money line parlay. And then I had them both on alternate minus 14 lines, and the 49ers covered that. The Chiefs did not. So my total was up 66. But, I mean, I think I'm going to trade this se- the series championship if the 49ers win the Super Bowl. But if they lose oh, the man. Super Bowl, and I also lost the series uh standings this year it's gonna be a tough pill to swallow <laughs> uh i think a lot of people would argue that they uh 
a series win might be more valuable than a Super Bowl. I mean, considering I have no impact on the 49ers winning or losing, (laughs) I think I probably would side with you. But Mm -hmm. I also would say we're undefeated at Levi's Stadium when I'm at playoff games. So Mm, where's your head on that one? I mean, uh, that's, that's a good one to throw at. I think you have a direct impact to that. So it's a tomato-tomato, if you will. Potato-potato. I think, if anything, it shows what type of an impact I have on games. And <laughs> if you're out there listening 49ers, you should personally shuttle me to every single game, mm-hmm. and you might not lose again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just logic. That's math. That's science. And, that's something. And you, <laughs> and you will be streaking. At the Super Bowl, am I correct? Um, I cannot confirm nor deny that, but yeah. it also predicates on whether we win or lose. Right, yeah. So Max will be naked in Miami. <laughs> um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about our bets. Even though they don't mean anything, you can still take them if you want. Uh, you're probably going to take mine because I've been winning. Whoa! Um, <laughs> Uh, it feels good to be a winner. Um, I'll start off. I'm going to, Raheem Mostert, I'm going to go under 77 and a half. Uh, like I mentioned, I think the run game of the 49ers is successful, but I don't think they're going to rely on it as heavily as they did uh, in the previous game. And also, it's not confirmed or denied yet, but Tevin Coleman, if he does play, which you're expecting him to play, he will get touches. If you remember last game, he went out early with a dislocated shoulder, which kind of left the majority of the workload up to Mostert. So if he comes back and he's able to take over a decent amount of reps, it's going to be even harder for him, uh, talking about Raheem Mostert, to hit that 77.5 number. So between those two factors, I think he's going to get under that. So I'm putting 33 for 26 on that one. My next bet uh, I'm going with 49ers line. Actually, scratch that. I'm going with 49ers money line. Uh, I think they'll win the game like I talked about on the pod. So um, it's just simple as that. I think they have too many factors that the Chiefs are not going to be able to handle. So I'm putting 33 for 33 on that one. And my last bet, which took me a while, um, I, I think a lot, a lot of people might not understand the uh, analytical depth that I went into to get this bet. Uh, and most, <laughs> it's, it's, most sites might not have it. It's that, um, you know, really analytical. And I, I, I followed a lot of people who were talking about it online to my research and stuff like that. So uh, for the game, I'm betting that the coin toss will be tails. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm putting 33 for 31 on that one. So funny enough, I have my uh, three bets here, and one of them is the coin toss. No way. <laughs> and I actually picked heads because oh no, history tells you that heads is far more likely to come up than tails. Tails never fails. I would argue that tails always fails, but we're going to find out on Super Bowl Sunday. So 
My bet was heads, ten for nine and a half. So I guess it's mm-hmm. just ten for nine. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you want to give me the nine and a half, you want to give me the nine and a half? Absolutely not. All right, ten for nine. <laughs> and then my second bet is the same as yours, 49ers money line, because okay. it's the 49ers and they're in the Super Bowl, and I'm picking them to win the game. So I'm mm-hmm. betting on them to win the game, Griffin. I mm-hmm. put 70 on that for 70. Mm-hmm. And then my final bet, this is a bet that I really like, and if I was allowed to gamble... I would go out and place a large sum of money on this bet. And it's Jimmy Garoppolo plus 275 to win Super Bowl MVP. And I think that this is one of those things where people are just kind of stubborn and they don't think that he's very good. But the fact that a quarterback is this low of odds to win the MVP is actually crazy because nine of the last 14 MVPs have been quarterbacks, and unless you think it's going to be like last year where it was a 13-3 to game, I mean, I don't know how a quarterback's not going to win the MVP because, like we both talked about, the Chiefs are going to sell out for the run. They're going to. So if you think the 49ers are going to win this game, which there are people out there that think that, then I think that the most logical Super Bowl MVP is Jimmy Garoppolo, is it not? So to get... Plus 275 odds is a really, really, really good deal. So I put 20 on that for 55. And truthfully, I probably should have put more than 20. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But hopefully the 49ers win. Hopefully the the head comes up on the coin toss. And hopefully (laughs) uh, Jimmy Garoppolo wins MVP. So who's number two in Super Bowl? Uh, Obviously Mahomes is number one. Super Bowl MVP I'm talking about. Jimmy's still number two, but that's really low. That's I feel plus like, 70, 275? Yeah. Like last that's year, crazy. I feel like Jared Goff and Brady were both like plus 150 or higher. And I feel like Brady was minus like, I want to say 150 to win MVP. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it was a good bet. Low key, I could see Sherm winning it, dude. If he has like two picks. Yeah, but he's not going to have totally two picks. See that. That's the thing. Yeah, you're right. Like, you can say, like, oh, he's going to have – like, Mahomes isn't throwing two picks in this game. Dude, pressures forces you to throw a ball where you don't want to throw it. Maybe. That's that's how Sherm got his pick on Kirk Cousins when he was playing man. And they said he's not a man corner. Yeah. Shout out Darrell <laughs> Rivas. Fucking bitch. <laughs> he did him wrong. <laughs> he did him so wrong. I actually like Darrell um, Rivas, though. Yeah, me too. I thought he was a good guy. Sherm, um, Sherm used to be my mortal enemy. Yeah, and it's funny how that works out. He's, like, I'm not going to lie, he's still an asshole, but <laughs> but he's my asshole now, you know? Yeah. Like, before yeah. he was my mortal enemy, but now he's, yeah. like, he, I'm on his side, so it makes it funny when he goes on these rants, so I kind of yeah. like it. No, I get it. I was kind of that way with J.J. Reddick, where he was just kind of a dick, but he was on the Sixers, so I was like, all right. This Whatever. was a lot of swearing on this episode. Yeah, you know, we are uncensored for the Super Bowl. I guess you so. Know, it is what it is. <laughs> um, well, that's all we have for you, I guess, on this episode of Noted Degree Necessary. Um, I think real quick, before we, before we end, I think we should, um, you know, give our, our condolences and, and prayers to the, the victims of the helicopter crash in Calabasas, obviously Kobe Bryant. 
his daughter Gianna and uh, the seven others. Um, super unfortunate, obviously, everyone knows about it. Um, but we didn't want to talk about it a lot, but just thought we should probably mention it at the end of the episode. Um, we're, we're sending our prayers to everyone involved. Um, but like I mentioned, that's all we have for you on this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. We're headed into the Super Bowl. It's a super exciting time. Uh, we'll recap it on our next episode for sure. And it's going to be an interesting one. Max is either going to be the happiest he's ever been on a pod or the saddest. So um, <laughs> check in next week to find out. There might not be a pod. True. Max, <laughs> he might never come back. That's Winter a real possibility. Yeah. Facts, he might live in Miami. Um, <laughs> who knows? Um, but thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed this episode and have a nice day.